Back to the basics. That's kind of where we are with the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has given us some strong moral code words and language. And Joel started out our sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount last week, focused on the, the verses about salt and light. Uh, those can be powerful images in our lives of faith. Um, and when, when Joel and I were talking about and planning which parts of the Sermon on the Mount to lean on for our worship during these weeks, we, we realized that we could do a great disservice to many sections of this scripture if we tried to cover it all. Um, that's why he didn't start with the Beatitudes. You know, if you're familiar with the Sermon on the Mount, that's a huge chunk of, of good stuff um, that we just didn't deal with in sermon, and we won't uh, throughout this. But our Wednesday night Bible study group this past week spent about an hour talking through the Beatitudes with some rich conversation. So we're, we're trying to pick up on some of the things that we're not preaching on by making use of our Wednesday Bible study. So we encourage you, if you've got some uh, particular or keen interest in some of the things that, that we are not including in terms of chunks of passages, to, to join in on Wednesday nights and uh, see, see where our conversation leads. So this morning we're going to hear and think some about Jesus' guidance related to anger, revenge, uh, the poor and needy, and our enemies. So, you know, just a few light topics for our Sunday morning conversation. So I, I do invite you to listen in to the fifth chapter of Matthew to some selected verses. Um, I'd encourage you to follow along on your screen rather than trying to jump around in, in pages in your Bible at home uh, as I'll be skipping around just a little bit. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother or sister. Then come and offer your gifts. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him or your accuser who may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you will be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you, and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, 
you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Here ends this reading of God's word for us this day. Thanks be to God. You know, I guess I was being a little tongue-in-cheek about these being some light topics for us today, but they really are fairly timely for us as church and as nation. You know, we've just marked the 19th anniversary of September 11th terrorist attacks on our country, and in the days and months following that day, 19 years ago, many of us asked questions about how to deal with things like anger revenge, and enemies. This was right in front of us. And unfortunately, it's become all too frequent for us to feel the need to deal with anger, revenge, and enemies these days, too. It doesn't take much to trigger us, to tip our scales toward the rage side of life. We've become just so polarized that we spend far too much time right on the edge of anger. And no matter how big or small the event is that makes us recognize the anger, revenge, and enemies in our lives, the issues are real. Our emotional responses to those issues are valid. And Jesus' guidance, Jesus' advice is still relevant. That is more than a shred of good news for us as we find ourselves in a hurting world. But at the same time, the way Jesus is guiding us on these issues of morality and justice, seemingly, well, it's like he's trying to set us up for failure. I mean, did you hear how this section of verses ended? Jesus tells us, to be perfect as God is perfect. Say what? How in the world are we supposed to do that? Like I said, it, it feels like he's setting us up to fail. So let's, let's take a look at some of this. Try to find a little bit of clarity, and I do emphasize try, because this is tough stuff. Jesus says if you're angry you will be liable for your actions, ultimately liable. Remember that hell phrase? That's pretty ultimate. That's serious business. Just being mad enough to call someone names can send you to hell, according to the gospel. Um, I don't know about you, but that does not sound like good news to me. I've been that angry before. Haven't you? Okay, let's try another one. Uh, what about this revenge thing? Jesus says that if 
someone punches you in the face, that you should offer the other side of your face to them as well. Or if someone sues you, just give them what they want, and then some. Jesus, really? This is tough stuff. I would have a hard time allowing someone to attack me again and again. I would at least want to turn and run, if not fight back. Jesus, what in the world are you asking us to do here? All right, what about this business of dealing with our enemies then? Maybe we can find some traction there. Do you have enemies? I think labeling people in the category of enemy is, fortunately, not something that comes all that naturally to us, right? But I do think we put people in a number of categories which we hate or despise. And that's pretty close to having an enemy. When we think of enemy, we're thinking war. But I think hating and despising puts us right there. And what does Jesus tell us to do with the folks that we consider our enemies, those we hate, those we despise? Love them. What the heck? How am I supposed to do that, Jesus? Love them? And pray for them? Okay, maybe I can do that. Finally, thanks, something that I could possibly do out of your list here, Jesus, of these almost impossible moral standards. Well, you know this, this last one, love and pray, turns out to kind of be the key to getting into all of these. The concept of loving your enemies can translate fairly well to many of these issues that Jesus brings up in the Sermon on the Mount, not just the ones that we're focused on this morning. But first, we've got to get over something. We have to get over our conception of the word love. We can't get hung up on the word love when it comes to people that we don't even like. Love in Jesus' terms is not romantic love. This is not family love. It's not friend love. It's not even love that likes somebody. This is godly love. It's a love that is simply rooted in how God looks at each person as a child of God. God loves and claims us in spite of ourselves. God loves and claims us even when we completely mess everything up. God loves and claims us when we have a hard time loving each other. Indeed, God loves and claims us through all the ups and downs of life. It doesn't mean that God likes everything that we do or every single part of our lives. But it does mean that we're never out of the reach of God and God's love. This is the way Jesus wants us to see each other, especially our enemies, through God's eyes of love. If we can at least attempt to see the other through God's eyes, 
And I think we'll find it almost impossible to truly hate that person. So we've turned the impossible scenario around. I think we'd find it difficult if we're really looking at someone through God's eyes to truly call them an enemy, to want to seek revenge, or even to remain angry with them. Because God doesn't see them that way. If we can try that and even gain just a little bit of traction there, we gain a deeper level of empathy and understanding through the love of God for another human being. And that's where we bump up against the needy that Jesus talks about. Where we're called to not just not hate somebody, not call somebody an enemy, not be angry with them, but to actually assist, to actually reach out, to actually try to make a difference in that person's life. That is being perfect as God is. I don't know that we can ever achieve it, but I think we can work on it. It may not be quite as impossible as we started off thinking. Love a little bit like God does in these tough situations that life hands us. Even just a little bit. It's not easy, but it is possible. If we try, we will become just a little more like God. More perfect in love, growing in grace, and serving in faith. May it be so. Let us pray. Holy God, life is hard. People are difficult to deal with. Give us your eyes, O oh Lord, that we might see the other through your vision. And not just see, but then respond as you would have us. Gaining in perfect love, growing in grace, serving you in our faith.